and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. This episode is part two and a topic I'm excited to explore. So last week, we examined how to overcome your inner critic. And in this episode, we'll look at how to overcome outer judgment. So I hope these episodes can bring some understanding and peace to those voices you struggle with, whether they're others or your own. Despite the well-known phrase, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you, I think most of us would agree that words can and do hurt sometimes. Although quilting is a solitary hobby, our quilts still come in contact with a variety of people, and that opens us up for others' opinions and judgments. It may come from friends at a quilt guild meeting, from a family member you're gifting a quilt to, from a judge at a quilting show, or even people you don't know on social media. Whether the comments are well-meaning or not, having our quilting feel under attack is very stressful and hurtful. We put so much time and money into our quilts and feel so much joy while we're making them. And one mean or picky comment can suck all the happiness and pride out of the quilt. So, let's talk through some strategies for dealing with off-putting comments and moving forward in a positive way. One approach is to say nothing to the commenter, but then vent to a friend or family member later about it. Share the situation and your feelings with someone close to you. I do this to my husband all the time, and he always makes me feel better by being on my side, telling me the other person doesn't know what they're talking about, or by making a joke of the situation. Usually after a little venting session, I can move on. If you want to respond, you should. Standing up for yourself is important in some situations. Take a little time before responding if you can. Many times when we respond in the moment, our response is charged with emotions and we may end up saying something we didn't mean or blowing something out of proportion. So take time to craft a thoughtful response and remember that you may not change their mind at all. This response is to make yourself feel better uh, and to know that you didn't let someone else treat you unfairly. So don't necessarily expect the other person to respond in a positive or um, apologetic way or even to respond at all. A good rule of thumb when getting what seems like a negative comment is to always assume good intentions. Especially on social media or through an email or text, we don't always have the visual clues or voice inflections that we would when we're talking to someone in person. So the comment may actually be meant in a different way than we read it to ourselves. We also just never know where the other person is coming from. Maybe they're having a bad day. 
It's also good to remember that people's comments come from their own views and experiences. So if they're pointing out something they don't like about your quilt, it may stem from their own insecurities about the topic. Sometimes outside judgment can cause our inner critics to come out in full force. One negative comment from someone may confirm our deep fears and our inner critic will say, yes, they're right. We knew it all along. Don't let yourself exaggerate the situation or allow your thoughts to spiral out of control. Take a deep breath, shrug off the comment, and don't get too down on yourself. And if you missed our chat about the inner critic on episode 571, go back and listen. Also, don't allow yourself to focus on the negative. Our brains have a natural tendency to remember and give weight to negative comments and interactions more than positive ones. It's called negativity bias. I deal with this often. Even when I'm receiving lots of positive emails and social media comments, I'll focus on the one negative one I got and forget all the nice ones. It's easy to do. But try to reverse this by giving weight to the positive comments and take them to heart, really absorb them and hear them. In some cases, you may be able to reframe comments to be positive. For example, if someone says, wow, I would never use such bright a fabric in my quilts. It's gaudy. You can think to yourself, that's right. I'm a person who's not afraid of color and standing out. These bright fabrics make me happy. Or if someone says, your piecing isn't the most accurate. Seems like you rushed through some steps. You can think, I'm a busy person with a job, a family, and lots of to-dos. I'm proud of everything I accomplish each day, and sewing time is my solace, even if it's sometimes rushed. And lastly, if you belong to a group, whether online or in person, or have people in your life who just don't make you feel good, you can remove yourself from the situation. You want to be around people and be in an organization that lifts you up, helps you grow, and have great supporters. And if you're not feeling that, maybe it's time to find a new group to be a part of. I hope these tips help next time you're dealing with a mean or negative comment. We all deal with them from time to time, and it's hard. And if you ever need support, whether with your inner critic or outside judgment, you know I'm here for our podcast listeners. So just shoot me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com or find me on Instagram at Mayland. I am always here to listen or be your biggest cheerleader. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, I'm sharing what's on my workspace and some details about Quilts of Honor. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back. Now it's time for what's on your workspace. And today it's my turn to share. 
So our staff is going on a quilt retreat in mid-November. So I'm getting prepared for that. And right now I have no piecing projects. I just have three large quilts that need to be quilted and bound. So I went back and forth and wanted on whether I wanted to start a new project before the retreat or just prioritize finishing these quilts. Um, and I actually think I'm going to spend the retreat machine quilting. Uh, I, I truly dislike the machine quilting process, uh, but it doesn't seem so bad at a retreat center. Um, I know I can spread out and I'll have a large table, which is actually, um, that'll actually make quilting a little easier than when I'm at home. And if I need a break, I can go chat with other retreaters or grab a snack. Uh, and I'm hoping to leave the retreat with at least two of the three quilts finished. It's a tall order, uh, and maybe I'll regret spending my retreat time that way, but I'm just moving forward with this plan. <laughs> so to prep for all of this, I'm getting organized with these projects. So I'm ordering batting and backing fabric. Um, I may even piece the backing or two to make them more interesting. And I'll get at least one of the quilts basted and ready to go. So I can start the retreat off by quilting right away instead of having to prep a quilt sandwich. Um, I'm definitely going to baste my quilts using the pool noodle method we've talked about in the past. And if you want to see this method in action, I'll post a video in the show notes of me showing it. Uh, I may even bring the pool noodles to the retreat. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I also plan to figure out thread colors and wind a bunch of bobbins. So I'm ready to sew without interruptions. This actually might be the easiest retreat I've ever packed for, uh, since I really just need to bring the quilt tops, my machine, and some thread. And I'll also bring a ruler and a Hera marker to mark my quilts if needed. Um, and I think I'll save the binding for when I get home, since I really love binding while watching movies, um, especially since it's Hallmark movie season and I have many to watch. <laughs> so I'll be sure to share photos of my progress on Instagram along the way. Um, I'm thinking it'll be one of the most productive retreats ever. So now I'm handing the mic over to Allison for Quilting Changes Everything, a segment where we share the difference quilting is making in a community. Take it away, Allison. Over the years, many quilts have been generously donated to veterans across the country. The majority of articles reporting on those donations have involved stories of male veterans. I was pleasantly surprised to come across this story from Amarillo, Texas, involving an all-female group of quilt recipients. Back in August, the Texas Panhandle Quilts of Honor organization honored its first all-female group of veterans in its five-year history. As women received their quilts, they spoke of their experiences and shared stories from their time serving in the military. Their duties ranged from nurses to mechanics. One of the recipients, Rena Baker, was a medical corpsman in the Women's Army Corps from 1971 to 1973. She said, as a registered nurse, I am always on the giving end, so it was humbling to come and receive. As a quilter, I know how much time and love went into this. This was no small project. I appreciate all the work that went into this quilt. For them to give this to me was no small deal. Another recipient, Leona Basto, said that many times as a female, people don't realize that she's a veteran. 
It was a memorable moment for her to be recognized, saying, What Quilts of Honor did makes me feel so special, and I am thankful for them. Any veteran who served in the armed forces is eligible to receive a quilt regardless of deployment, though priority is given to older veterans from World War II and the Korean War. Cindy Gilbreth, the coordinator of Quilts of Honor, said hearing the women's stories was so inspiring and it was an honor to provide them with quilts. We want Amarillo to become more aware and show compassion and respect for our veterans. We also want more attention to female veterans because I do not feel that we do enough for our women veterans. In the five years since Quilts of Honor started, the group has made more than 550 quilts. The majority of these quilts have been given to male veterans and had not had many requests to honor female veterans. One of the great things about their program is that if a quilt has been completed with a veteran's name on it and the veteran passes away before it's presented, the quilt is then passed on to the person's loved ones. Quilts of Honor doesn't receive many quilt requests for female veterans, so they urge the public to nominate a veteran and help spread the word. Hopefully, this all-female ceremony was just the first of many more to come. I have done lots of different things with various groups, but I have never done anything as rewarding as making these quilts to honor these veterans, said Cindy. Thanks, Allison. We'll link to Quilts of Honor in our show notes if you want to learn more about ways to help. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're diving into hand embroidery and sharing a fun trend we're seeing. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Doris for Handwork Happiness, a segment where we share tips for a specific type of handwork. Take it away, Doris. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm Doris, the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. I want to chat about hand embroidery today. We have an adorable Christmas countdown embroidery project by Sherry K. Falls in the December 2022 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting, and in Quilts More Winter, a fun cross-stitch pincushion project by Kathy Haberman of Hands-On Design. Both magazines are currently on newsstands and available at your local quilt shop. Embroidery and quilting have long had a relationship to one another. Crazy quilts were in vogue in the late 1800s and were typically embellished with colorful hand embroidery stitches, not only to enhance the colorful patchwork and provide the quilting for the quilt, but to exhibit one's mastery of various stitches. Redwork embroidery became popular in the 1870s, and it was more popular among less affluent people who had not only less time to stitch, but because the cotton thread was not only color fast, but it was less costly than the silk threads commonly used in the crazy quilts of the time. The designs were easy to embroider and used only the very basic stitches. Young girls often learned how to embroider in school. They practiced embroidery on penny squares, which were squares of white cotton with stamped designs that cost a penny, as did the skein of floss. Today, we simply refer to these penny squares as red work. In the early 20th century, hand-embroidered quilt locks in multiple colors gained popularity. Many examples of patchwork baby quilts with animals or other childhood themes survive. 20th century patterns for hand-embroidering state blocks to make into a quilt was another popular theme. 
I've seen state flower embroidery quilts, state birds, and state capitals. Today, you might see something simpler, similar made using machine embroidery for the stitching, but there are still many of us who do hand embroidery the way it's been done for centuries. In our Season 11 podcast, I went through some basics of getting started in hand embroidery, but I'd like to go into more detail and share some of my favorite products with you. One of the biggest advantages of hand embroidery is that you don't have to make a huge investment to give it a try. And I once taught my nephews aged five and six to embroider while riding in the back of my sister's car on a two-hour road trip. They both loved it and did well. Proof anybody can do this. You only need a few simple supplies to get started. For fabric, you can use any light-colored quilting cotton or linen with a tight weave to support your stitches. And if you want to try out a cross-stitch project, Ada cloth is the way to go if you're just starting the craft. You can try cross-stitching linen after you've got some practice under your belt and feel a little more confident in your skills. For hand embroidery and an inexpensive material to start with is a flower sack towel. Remember those day-of-the-week towels usually made from Mar Aunt Martha's patterns in the little yellow envelopes? My grandma and my mom both used these towels in their kitchen. You can still buy Aunt Martha's designs, and I'm certain there is at least one or two days-of-the-week towels still in my house somewhere. In fact, the baby quilts and state flower sampler quilts I mentioned earlier were likely made from Aunt Martha's patterns. Embroidery floss is the least expensive thread you can get, great for a beginner, but are still a great product to use for the expert stitcher. Each skein has six strands wound or twisted together. You can separate the strands to use one or two strands for a finer, more finished look. A lot of instructions will specify how many strands the designer recommends. If you're working a cross-stitch design on Ada or linen count with a larger count or size of weave than the designer used, you'll want to adjust your number of strands accordingly. I personally use DMC brand floss, but for a very simple reason. When I learned to cross-stitch as a child, my mom shared her box of floss with me. She bought DMC because that's what was available locally at the time. I still have two plastic boxes full of floss that my mom and I stitched from for more than four decades. I do have some pearl cotton and orophil spools that are wonderful embroidery thread, but Embroidery floss works great for most projects. For hand embroidery, you're going to want an embroidery hoop to hold your fabric flat or taut. There are several styles and sizes of hoops available, but to get started, a six inch wooden hoop would be sufficient. My personal favorite are the spring tension hoops from F.A. Edmonds, and I'll leave a link in the show notes to help you, to help you find these. When I do cross-stitch on Ada cloth, I don't use a hoop. I hold the fabric, basically scrunched up in my left hand, but many cross-stitchers do use a hoop. Try it both ways and see which you prefer. For handwork, select a pack of sharp needles labeled for embroidery that includes multiple sizes. There are also needles specific to cross-stitch called tapestry needles. A great resource for finding out more about what needle will serve you best is theneedlelady.com. This website has so much information on needles in general and is just a great resource. To get started cross-stitching, if you are making a project from one of our magazines, the instructions will include detailed stitch diagrams to illustrate the process. You can find detailed instructions for these and more stitches on allpeoplequilt.com. In addition, 
you'll find several small cross-stitch patterns on our website that are suitable for beginners. If you're a beginner in hand embroidery, first try some of the most basic stitches, such as the straight stitch, the running stitch, the stem stitch, and a back stitch. Once you've mastered these basic stitches, you can try some of the more challenging ones, such as French knots, lazy daisy, and fishbone stitches. As I said at the beginning of this recording, we have handwork projects in both Quilts and More Winter and the December issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. In addition to those projects, you can find beautiful hand embroidery projects on our website by searching cross-stitch or hand embroidery. I will also include some links in the show notes for you to find both stitch instructions and handwork projects on our website. Thanks, Doris. We'll link to all the products and resources Doris mentioned in the show notes so you can explore hand embroidery more. Now I'm passing the mic to Beth for What's Trending. Hi, I'm Beth, and I'm back with another trend I've been noticing lately. I've been seeing a lot more big stitch binding and hand quilting on quilts. I think with so much of our lives being on computers and phones, it's nice to go screen and machine free sometimes. There's something so relaxing about the repetitive rhythmic pattern of hand stitching. And you get so much more hands-on with your thread and the quilt. Plus, you can even take your work outside to enjoy nice weather or bring it on the go. And it's just a totally different look than machine quilting. To me, hand stitching really gives a quilt a cozy, lived-in look. For the big stitch binding, people are stitching the binding down to the front or back of the quilt with visible stitches. This finishes the binding but also provides another opportunity for a decorative detail. So you can use a regular straight stitch or I've even seen X's or other detailed stitching as well. I recently attended the American Quilter Society show in Des Moines and I noticed big stitch quilting on quilts that were displayed there. It's so fun to see colored thread to accent the quilt top. And since you're only doing a smaller length at a time, it's much easier to switch colors throughout the quilt top than on a long arm. So you can blend or match sections of the top or make sure the stitching stands out with a contrasting color. I also saw quilts that combined machine stitching with the big stitch quilting. I think this is a great way to get started with the look because you don't have to commit to hand quilting an entire quilt. It can really accent certain sections of your quilt too, so you can echo around a design to give it a little extra pop and make it stand out more. The great thing about this technique is that you don't need a lot of specialty equipment. A needle, thread, and thimble are all you need to get started. Go to allpeoplequilt.com and search hand quilting basics and you'll find some really detailed information on the supplies you'll need and some techniques to get you started. We also shared a ton of great information in episode 549 of this podcast called Intro to Hand Quilting. If you love the look but seriously hate hand stitching, there are a couple machine options. Baby Lock makes a machine that replicates the look of hand stitching called the Sashiko machine. This machine gives that spacing between the stitches that makes it look just like big stitch hand quilting. You can adjust the stitch length and spacing between stitches to give you the look you prefer. You can straight stitch and free motion quilt with this machine. It is a specialty machine that does just this one particular stitch, but if it's something you love, I'd recommend checking it out. 
Also take a look at your existing sewing machine because some do have a hand look stitch as well. And this could be called a mock quilting stitch or a hand look quilting stitch. So the icon for this is typically three dashes followed by one dash, then three dashes. Or some also just look like a thick stitch, thin stitch, thick stitch. So this is typically pulling the bobbin thread to the top and then stitching it multiple times to give it that extra thickness that looks like hand stitching. For this technique, you need a monofilament thread on the top or a color that matches your fabric on the top side of your quilt. And then the colored thread that you want to show for the stitching in the bobbin. Check your manual to see if you have this stitch and what the manufacturer recommends for the settings though. And we always recommend making a stitch sampler first to see if it's giving you the look you want. There are so many fun ways to incorporate hand stitching into your quilts. I hope you'll give one of these techniques a try. Thanks, Beth. I definitely have been seeing more and more hand stitched accents on quilts, and I love the look. And that's it for today's show. Before we leave, I wanted to ask for everyone's help. In mid-November, we're doing a podcast about gratitude in your sewing space. I'd love to share what our listeners are thankful for in their quilting lives, whether it's a person, a tool, a project, or a feeling quilting gives you. To share, please email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That's listed in the show notes. I can't wait to hear what everyone's grateful for this year. It'll be an uplifting and positive episode. Everyone have a great week. Hi all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.